Hello all and welcome to Ofsted's podcast. You've got me here, Anna Trithiwi, Deputy Director for Cross Remit Education and... Hi everyone, Chris Jones, uh, Director for Strategy and Engagement here at Ofsted. We're going to do a run through of some of the different changes we've got to our practice here at Ofsted. So Chris, I'll hand over to you for that. Thanks, Anna. Yeah, we're recording this on the 13th of June, aren't we? So we made those announcements uh, yesterday on on Monday, and we thought it'd be helpful just to go through go through a few of those things and have a bit of a conversation about it. Obviously, you know, you start by saying this was uh, these announcements have been made in uh, the wake of the death of Ruth Perry and the debate that has sparked around Ofsted's work following that. And you know, Amanda Spielman said really clearly that we want to reassure people we're listening to the things that have been said in that debate and thinking carefully about how we can revise our work, but also not lose sight of the need of children and parents in this as well. So I'll just quickly run through the things that um, we've we've announced. So first of all, on safeguarding, you know, there are a small number of schools every year who are judged um, inadequate on the basis of ineffective safeguarding alone. So they have ineffective safeguarding, but all other judgments are good or better. And in those small number of cases, we are going to return more quickly to those schools to re-inspect them um, within three months of the inspection report being published. And we will say in the original report to parents that that is our intention. And that means that if the school has resolved those safeguarding concerns, it's likely to see the overall grade improve in a short uh, space of time. And we also just want to give a bit more clarity in our handbook update from September around the threshold for effective versus ineffective safeguarding. So everyone's super clear on on that. And the second big piece of this jigsaw is around the complaint system. And yesterday we launched a formal consultation on changes to our complaint system. We want to resolve complaints more quickly. We want improved dialogue between ourselves and the providers um, who are unhappy about their inspection and want to make a complaint. We want to reduce the burden on those making a complaint in terms of the admin and increase that transparency. And if you go to our website, you can see those consultation proposals in much more detail and you can have your say. I'm told that just 24 hours after we launched that consultation, we've already had 100 responses. So people obviously keen to have their say on that, which is absolutely fantastic. And we've given a bit more information for schools about uh, the broad timing of their next inspection. Um, so yeah, the, the COVID pause and the outstanding exemption has made it harder, I think, for some schools to, to predict when their inspection might be and therefore um, up to the, the anxiety in some quarters. So we've, we've published a blog and again, you can find that on our website to, to give a bit more information about when your school might be inspected. And um, we'll still be inspecting schools with a day's notice because we think that's uh, really important as well. And then finally, a couple of small changes to reports that we're making. We're going to be really clear that when we send a draft report to a head teacher, they are able to share that um, with colleagues or others, share their inspection outcome with whoever they think appropriate, um, albeit being aware that those judgments are provisional until the report is finalised. And then from September, inspection reports, uh, when discussing areas of weakness in a school, they'll refer to the school by default rather than uh, in individuals in, in that school and the contextual information at the end of the reports will also be amended to list all those with, with responsibility for the school. We know that it, it takes uh, a whole group of people to run a school or any other provider and you know, this is not about passing judgment on, on individuals. So that's a quick run through of all the changes we've announced Anna. Cool, thank you. Very helpful and, and good to see it in the round. Quick question, I'm going to go right back to the start of that announcement and just talk a little bit about safeguarding. 
I mean, I've been a DSL before, designated safeguarding lead. I'm always going to think about how important it is. But should we just talk a little bit about part of the reason that we do have such a strong em emphasis on safeguarding? It feels important. Yeah, of course, it's, it's hugely important. And, and you'll know from your experience how, how, how important it is. And this is in no way kind of watering down our standards on safeguarding. Inspectors inspect against the DFE's guidance, keeping children safe in education. That's a, a large document, uh, very detailed, lots of requirements for, for schools in, in there. And of course, yeah, that's therefore what inspectors will be looking to see that schools uh, understand and are enacting properly and our standards on that are, are not um, are not wavering. I think what we're, what we're recognising is that safeguarding is one of those areas, perhaps um, unlike other areas of the inspection framework, where if there are deficiencies, um, those can potentially be rectified quite quite quickly. And so in the small number of cases, as I say, where that is the only area of of weakness, uh, we will be we will be returning to those schools sooner. I think it's also worth saying that inspectors don't give ineffective safeguarding judgments lightly. Um, it, you know, it's not just a matter of kind of missing a couple of words out of off a, off a list or not completing paperwork properly, where ineffective safeguarding is, is given as a judgment that is taken very seriously. And there's lots of quality assurance kind of around that um, in, in the offset process. Yeah, and I think it's important to note, isn't it, that we always look to update and iterate our practice. And this is one area where just clarifying in our handbooks, and, and this is happening across the room, it's actually that where there are minor improvements that need to be made. And absolutely, like you say, it might be a bit of a gap in the single central record, or it might be small things that don't add up to a concerning picture. As long as we can see that they're easily rectifiable, ideally by the end of inspection, then actually that school can still be effective in terms of safeguarding. It's not kind of looking to catch people out. It's much more about where there's ineffective safeguarding. It generally indicates there's a much more systemic you know, cultural problem, widespread or serious failures and, and thinking about, OK, where can we go back? And, and if people are able to do what they need to give them, essentially give them a, another chance to get that right that feels like the right place to land. We've always been able to do that in terms of monitoring inspections, but just, just bringing them slightly closer feels right. It's probably helpful to note, isn't it, that we're going to do a bit more sector engagement on this one. So we've got, for example, webinars that are coming up and a blog that will be coming out in September, but we'll make sure that any updates to handbooks happen before the summer break so that people have time to look at that properly. So just in terms of parents, we, we often talk about their role in the system and it's right that they're our, our primary audience really alongside government and, and how they use our work for intervention. Is it worth just emphasising that point there, Chris? I think yeah, it's, it's worth saying that you know, a, a lot of people would have preferred Offset to go further in the announcements that we've we've made um, uh, just yesterday, and one of the areas in which people would like us to go further is the what's been described as the the one word grading system. So I think it's worth just talking a bit about that and and reflecting on some of the some of the the challenges there and the pros and cons. I think you know first of all we do uh, engage with parents and we do survey parents and it's clear that you know, parents do find the, the grading system useful it's by no means the only thing that they use to make up their mind about either which school to send their children to or about the quality of the school that they're currently sending their children to clearly they also use exam results they also use kind of word of mouth and you know, other parents opinions and of course people visit schools and decide for themselves and that's and that's only right but parents do find the the grade that Ofsted gives their school to be a useful source of source of information and it's it's clear and 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 simple you mentioned 
government that is the other audience for our work of course and you know it's 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 uh, an integral part of of the system that the government uses to regulate the school system is having these clear simple grades people often uh, i think uh, understandably because it's complicated but often misunderstand the role of Ofsted and, and the Department for Education. Department for Education is the school's regulator, so mm -hmm. they decide which schools need support, which schools need intervention, whether that's in the form of becoming an academy or rebrokering to another academy trust or various other aspects. They also decide you know, which uh, schools can become uh, teaching schools and, and so on. And all of that rests on the Ofsted grade that schools have. Um, DfE have it written into their principles of how they regulate that they will only take action on the basis of of an Ofsted grade because that gives a rounded view of uh, of, of how a school is is performing. So that is that is baked into the system of how the government regulates schools and therefore you know, any changes to the grading system are not something that Ofsted can just decide to do. There would have to be a, a, a more uh, well thought through, a more considered considered properly with government and you know, it's worth saying that lots of other inspectorates use the system as well the, the the health inspectorates the prison inspectorates and so on they use a similar if not um, exactly the same grading system it, it is it is a complicated thing um, to, to consider and there are lots of pros and cons um, and lots of audiences that inspection and the grades serve and I think Amanda has been really clear that we you know, any any reconsideration of the grading structure would have to take all those things into account yeah. Thank you, Chris. And I think the last thing we want to do is rush to a solution that might have unintended consequences around it itself. And that, that wouldn't necessarily be great at a system level, considering the amount of change it would bring. Just something I know that causes anxiety in the system is the sense that you get caught out for safeguarding and then that's that, you, you know, you push to become an academy or rebrokered. I'm right in thinking, aren't I, that the, the uh, Department for Education are, whilst they would still issue an academy order where a school's been found inadequate, for schools where there's, it's only on safeguarding and we're going to do a monitoring visit within three months of that inspection report being published, they will pause on the kind of moving forward with that until we've done our, our visit. Yeah, that's right. So the, the Department for Education have said that in the instances that we're talking about where it's just safeguarding that um, is, is the, the issue um, and, and we, we re-inspect and um, the school has, has sorted their, their, those issues and it is now, it's now a good school, the Secretary of State can decide to revoke any academy order applying to the school or withdraw any warning notice issued to uh, an academy and they will not, in the, in the meantime, will not have kind of um, taken any decision about about whether to intervene in that in that school or not. So I think yeah. that's that's welcome clarification from from the government that they, they will they will they will not take any action in those uh, small number of cases every year until that that second inspection has happened. Yeah. Thank you. And it is emphasizing, you know, emphasizing those really are very small numbers. We've talked mostly about schools and in this podcast, as it's right, because that's where most of the focus and attention has been. It's just worth giving a nod to some of our other remits, you know, further education and skills early years where we've considered they're not going to line up in exactly the same way. And not all of these apply, but certainly for things around the complaints procedure, welcoming uh, people from across our sectors that we inspect in education to come forward and, and bring their ideas and thoughts about that process. As lovely as it's been to get the gang back together and for you and I to have this podcast, you're actually off soon, am I right in thinking? So we're yeah, going to say I, goodbye soon. 
having been at Ofsted five years, I'd leave with a, a very heavy heart and uh, uh, have, have met lots of uh, inspirational uh, people, including yourself, Anna. And I ah. uh, miss, you, miss you all greatly, but um, yes, yeah, I'll we, start we a new really chapter. Yeah, and, and Chris, thanks again for, for you know all your time and hard work at Ofsted. It's, it's been massively invaluable. Thanks ever so much, Chris. Let's leave that there for now. There'll be more on this and the range of other work that we do at Ofsted uh, to follow after this podcast. Thanks all. Bye-bye. Ofsted Talks. Ofsted Talks. Ofsted Talks. Ofsted Talks.